Hello and welcome to Ramble On, the podcast where we talk about things from high and low to far and wide with me, Brad Evans. And me, Andy Douglas. In this week's podcast, we've got two topics for you. We're going to talk about team cohesion and the benefits of doing uh, team building exercises with your team. Uh, And then we're going to move on to anti-doping and some of the benefits of that. Yeah, with that, thank you to Insight Law, who suggested the team-building topic to us on Twitter. They used um, the hashtag TheRambler and followed us at RambleOn17 on Twitter. Don't forget to get in touch with us during the week's interim between our podcast episodes using those hashtags and our Twitter account. Um, Over to you, Andy. Perfect. Well, without further ado, should we start the podcast? Yeah. Perfect. What have you been up to this week, Brad? Well, like you, um, we both had our uh, first exams that contributed to our overall mark of our degree. Yep. Um, and we both did fairly well achieving the same score. Pretty we happy did. with it. Um, and we weren't anywhere near each other. So before anyone tries to <laughs> plug that, yeah. we weren't anywhere near each other. Yeah. So 79%, wasn't it, Brad? Yeah, 79%, um, which is a first grade. You don't need to blow our own trumpets, but there you go. Um, and then the second thing, well, the major highlight of my time away in between podcasts was the actual team building day that I had with the MCCU at Cardiff. Yeah, um, it was a really great day. Um, and it sort of is um intertwined with the inspiration between uh, behind why we are talking about it today. You mm. know, someone suggested on on uh, Twitter, and I really enjoyed it. And I thought, you know, why not? talk about it on on the podcast you can relate it to a lot of different things definitely so was that with your cricket team yeah it was with the whole squad um it was a really good way um of connecting everyone you know we got split into groups and everyone got to know know each other um because there are quite a few freshers or first mm-hmm. years um and so yeah it was good Brilliant. what kind of things do you do for during the day well um ranges from driving 15 minutes out of cardiff and meeting people you've never met before and taking a photo with them to having a sit-down meal at McDonald's with your friends. So, wow. you know, there's a wide range of activities, and um, which we'll come on to later when we talk about it. Perfect. In the meat of our podcast. How about you? Um, well, the same as you. Obviously, we had our exam. That was a nice high to kind of uh, um, finish off the week, um, Thursday evening our exam was. So that was a nice, confident way to start our exam, I think. Yeah. Um, and then today is a Sunday, uh, and I went mountain biking today at Bike Park Wales, which is in Merthyr Tydfil. Oh, yeah. um, a really interesting place, actually, um, and just really enjoyed getting out on my bike. A bit different to my normal kind of training, mm. um, and yeah, might get on if we've got time later to talk about some of the benefits of cross-training in, in my sport. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. So well, mountain biking entails like the rugged terrain that you've got to come across and sort of uh, like overcome. Yeah, and and to be completely honest, it's a completely different sport. It's totally totally different compared mm. to road cycling. Road cycling is very very physical. Yeah. Um, and there aren't too many occasions where you need expert bike handling skills. Skill, yeah, I can um, imagine. When you're road cycling, obviously when you're cycling in the mountains, things like that, you need some expert skills to keep yourself safe. Yeah. But compared to mountain biking, you're using those all the time, all yeah. the time. It's it's very, very technical. Is it easier to go downhill or uphill on a mountain bike? On a mountain bike? Yeah. I think that depends because you can have some... On a mountain. On a mountain, okay, okay. <laughs> Not just on, a road. What, yeah. Off-road, on-road? Off-road. Off-road. So, firstly, it depends what kind of 
climb you're doing. So if you're stuck with a really technical climb, sometimes that can be more difficult than going down because you have to keep your momentum while trying to avoid objects, objects, you know, big rocks, tree stumps, things like that. Whereas going downhill, if you've got quite an open, flat gravel path, maybe mud path, it can sometimes be a little bit more straightforward than a technical ascent. But then a technical descent versus an easy ascent you know it, it depends what, what kind of what kind of terrain you're riding and yeah. you know where you're riding as well yeah oh that sounds like really <laughs> fascinating but I, I probably it's a nice hit. little change for from normal kind of just easy flat roads yeah so yeah. anyway should we jump into our first topic yeah brilliant well this one's yours Brad so I'll let you take it away uh, okay as you sip your cup of tea um yeah so what i said earlier um we had our team building day last week um and you know what it was long and it was much more uh substantial than i thought it would be you know um unless you've got a planned trip away a coach says we are going away to some place that you're going to camp overnight for two or three nights then you expect it other than that you expect it to be sort of simple within a small campus you know you do certain things like trying to build something else but it was really well thought out by our coach and i hope he listens to this because he'll appreciate it um but i genuinely didn't expect it um and it was really interesting so like i said earlier it ranged from we all had to get into cars so people had to drive around cardiff to do some of the tasks Mm. you know um we had to go into charity shops and spend five pounds and dress someone up and make them look funny we all had to come up with a song with the words crimson caps in it um we had to create a dance you know for 90 seconds and all this all the photographic evidence was being put onto the whatsapp group that we have okay and our coach was receiving all these whatsapp uh, images and videos and he was collating them and making a point system. So he's done that, and we're just waiting for the results. He, he apparently said they're coming out next week. So obviously, it sounds uh, we before, and he so he, he introduced it, and he said, you know, there will be prizes. Um, and when I reveal the results, and we all sort of sat there like, oh gosh, yeah, might be a bit, a bit uh, taken a bit too far. Mm-hmm. But I think we are all actually looking forward to the results because yeah. we actually put a lot of effort into it. Um, we didn't want to be the ones, or well, my group especially, didn't want to be the ones letting everyone else down or being the losers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And were the people in your group, were they people you've spent a lot of time with? Or? No, so every group had a third year, um, maybe two, so maybe two, uh, either one or two third years, one or two second years, but mm. then definitely two freshers. Right, okay. So... That makes there were five of us in our group, yeah. So there were what there was one third year, two second years, and two freshers. So mm-hmm. every group was like that, but every group had two freshers, so it worked out pretty well. Um, I think there were like eight or nine groups. Wow. So a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Did you feel the uh the freshers or the first years? Sorry, the first years in your group. Did you feel like they? they could contribute do you think they yeah felt they like definitely they could did because some tasks re- required everyone to contribute okay um and it, it it did work out in a way that everyone had their say their opinion and yeah. it was valued just quickly i just did the maths in my head and it's not eight or nine groups um there's 27 or eight in our squad um so that means about five. seven five six or seven groups okay. max yeah no worries that's fine i think <laughs> <laughs> 
so yeah going going back to inclusion let's say yeah. inclusion in the groups and those people feeling like they can actually contribute especially i feel in that in that environment with uh people that are older than you perhaps people that have spent more time in the team it can be quite a quite a scary place to be kind of especially to to raise your ideas and maybe yeah. challenge someone that's older you than yeah. you or maybe higher up the team and things like that do you feel like that came into it today on well, yeah, I think so. I think the way it was structured made it easier for people that didn't feel as confident to contribute because it was lighthearted, it was funny, mm. it was well planned out. These people felt that if they were, you know, juniors in the side, didn't have much of a say when it came to their turn to supply information or give their opinion because it was lighthearted and funny and it wasn't the be all and end all, you know, there wasn't lots of depending on it. It was just a bit of fun at the end of the day. Yeah. They felt that there was no pressure on them. And that I think it was a really good way to get people introduced into the squad and get everyone to know each other. Mm. So I got to know the two freshers in our group really well, um, and I think they enjoyed it. That sort of is the one side of team building in my eyes. Mm-hmm. The other side of team building is like the physical army-like effort, you know, military type. Yeah, I know um, what I mean. Yeah. Physical effort uh, camps that you can go on. Um, and I actually have experience of this because okay. um, at my school in Zimbabwe, there was something called Lower Six Camp and it was basically called Leadership Camp um, where the prefects, so people a year above you, take the whole Lower Sixth out away for mm-hmm. four days, I think, and they physically try and break you. <laughs> they literally try and run you into the ground. So you operate on no sleep over four, four days. Um, you're getting wake woken up two or three times a night. You're sleeping, okay, it's not bad weather, but you're sleeping on the floor on a plastic mat. You have a sleeping bag, that's it. You're not allowed to take any food. The water that you get is the water that's there from a tap. Everyone shares it. It's really, really um, brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it encourages like uh, creative thinking. Yeah. You've got to think on your feet. You've got to try and be as economical with your body as possible. And group work especially. Yeah, you've got, you can't, one person cannot bear all the weight. Everyone has to share it around. Um, and what I suppose it looks for is the people that can coordinate that within groups. Mm. So they are leaders. Because if you can say, the issue is that we have a very big task ahead of us for four days. How are we going to best manage with it? You know, that is the issue. They, The ones that deal with it are the ones that stand out as leaders. So it's a really old school way of finding leaders. Yeah, definitely. You know, nowadays, especially in the first world, leaders stand out. Um, they do things above and beyond what other people do, and yeah. that's how leaders are sort of selected and wavered into. But the old school way, um, which is definitely Zimbabwe, the public schools there, um, is suppressing everyone, not not to an extent where it's inhumane, but just mm-hmm. like making everyone equal, pushing them down, and then seeing who can emerge through tough times. Yeah, definitely. So it was really hard, you know, um, but... It genuinely, genuinely gave us a sense of unification and togetherness. Mm. Um, like, I didn't have to do it because I knew I was leaving to the UK. But my friend and my, uh, myself and my one friend that we that knew we were leaving to the UK shortly after the scheduled um, Lotus Sixth camp, did it, and 
we genuinely don't think we've done anything better in our lives. You yeah. know, like to be, go through that toughness with people we've been through school for about 10 years with and then to share that last experience, you know, um, just creates that respect. There was, yeah. on the last morning, we were all broken. Like we had, we weren't allowed to sleep that night. We had to tr- physically force ourselves to stay up. Other people looking after others, not falling asleep. Anyways, the last morning we get told to go down to like the little dam, which we knew previously from the previous few days that we would swim in it. And it was pretty cold water early in the morning. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, it's the fourth day. We can't be asked with this. Yeah. But then <clears throat> what they did is they like huddled us on the little island in the middle of the dam. Um, and then our school had a pipe band. So these pipe, pipe, pipers and drums, drum, I don't know what to call them. They emerge from the other side of the lake. Yeah. And then the sun's like coming over in the distant sunrise. And then they start flying the school flag across <laughs> over the sun. It was like an incredible moment, yeah. and it, just looking around and like I knew that everyone, I knew I was like there, we're all there as one. It's um, those friendships, really, isn't it? Because it really because we've friendships. had experience of team building at university, haven't we? In our first yeah. couple of months at university, we were sent away on a team cohesion trip, weren't we? Mm. And uh, they aimed to put us in groups with people that we shouldn't have ever come across. You know, people that aren't on your course, yeah. people that aren't living with you, things different like that. Sports and everything. Yeah, different yeah. sports, everything, just to try and push you out of your comfort zone, mm. to then bring you back together a stronger unit. Mm. And you know, even now, I've still got friends that I spent that weekend with. Mm. That you know, I still you know we still talk, we still say hello, you know, things yeah. like that. And it really brings that kind of the the friendship of it and being able to walk down a corridor and seeing a few people that you know and I think that's yeah. really key especially in university where there's so many people aren't exactly there? there's so many people it's that one friendly face in the crowd mm-hmm. that can can really have a difference can't it yeah um, but going back to your example with your team mm. I mean the people that are fresh in the team might, might not have much experience it's really good for them and I think we can agree on this it's really good for them to be in that kind of situation where they feel they can voice their opinions mm. and they can voice and challenge other members of the team that might be superior to them might you know be yeah. whatever um, and I think that's how you you're going to build a stronger team I yeah. mean how, how do you think it's affected you and your 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 team well i think i think it's really cool like i have got to learn new people i think human beings we're like we are really curious people well things like we want to learn about people especially that's why people you, you know some people look at other people and try to gather as much information from them their body language the way they the content their facial expressions are at that time you know we try and gather this information just because we're curious things yeah. curious beings um and it was really cool to get to know people, if I'm honest. Really, really cool. Um, and uh, I think it, it, it st- stood us in really good stead for the coming season. We've got a long winter ahead of us. You know, every Friday morning we're up early doing fitness work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's really tough, that. Uh, so it, we know that everyone's got each other's back, really. We're, Definitely. We're trying to form that brotherhood. And it's that... It's that friendly face in the crowd I think that's really important I think yeah. I think having having that friendly face in the crowd especially maybe when you're having a tough training session like you yeah. were saying then you got um, a hard session on a Friday I think just having that one friendly face that just might be the tipping point between having a successful session mm-hmm. session and having an unsu- unsuccessful yeah. session perhaps you go up to a fresher and encourage them you know 
are you doing all right today? And, yeah. you know, that might be the difference between... Make, might make their day. Exactly, know? exactly. And I think these trips and these kind of camps that you can go on uh, are paramount to team performance. Yeah. For sure, definitely. Well, yeah, um, we're both giving our opinions from, like, a student's perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not people that have excelled on the international stage by any means no. on in our sports. Um but what we can do is we can tell what friendship is. Anyone can tell what friendship Definitely. is. Definitely. And when you feel happier, you're more likely to perform better. I think there's you when you're happier in yourself with with the people you're around, you want to do better, um you focus on positives rather than negatives and all that stuff. But yeah, like what if we break it down, we've divided sort of team building into two strands you know there's the physical tough army like training mm-hmm. and then there's the fun one with tasks that you've got to complete by a certain time and build things and go and do things dress people up and make them look silly yeah. take photos of it and learning other people's strengths and weaknesses yeah and how you can yeah. apply those in a group situation yeah, yeah. and then that's that's where the the impact and performance is going to have mm. you know knowing what people are capable of mm. and using those capabilities when it's appropriate to maximize your team performance yeah i suppose the other thing that team building does um you know if you're having like i explained earlier with the tough friday morning sessions Mm -hmm. you know i think last year within the mccu we didn't have a great team like we had good players and we did all right we didn't have people that were there for each other but this Mm -hmm. year it's already different um and what it does is that if you're having a hard session, I'm not turning to the one person I know I can rely on. I'm turning to any anyone in the team. Mm. You know. That's what you need. That's what that's what's happening. So, I'm turning around and looking for the first person rather than turning around and looking for one person that I know. Yeah. Which makes a big difference. I yeah. Think, when you know you can rely on everyone, and I think you know the All Blacks epitomise that. Yeah, definitely, and 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 like you were saying last year, despite having really good individual performers you weren't able or maybe you hadn't had the opportunity to learn your kind of skills and your um what you were good at as a group mm. and i don't know if you did a team building thing last year did you no we didn't well there yeah. we go you know now it's... now now you're already saying that you feel closer that could have yeah. been maybe maybe it's just coincidence that the group of people bond a bit better yeah. but you have had that opportunity to learn other people build you know yeah. experience of what they're capable of and it reminds me of Team Sky in 2012 when uh, uh, when Chris Froome was riding for Bradley Wiggins. And Chris Froome actually took off and rode up the road, um, leaving his, effectively, his captain suffering in the wheels, you know, right far back down the, down the race. Mm. And, and it's just that kind of team cohesion that you need to know what people are capable of, when to use those capabilities to maximise your performance. Mm. And that's what leaders do. They, they uh, incorporate that and mm. they do it. Where some people, sometimes just go into a frenzy and have no no idea what to do. Mm. And those are the people that are better at following instructions than creating instructions. Mm. And that's why you have captains, don't you, within team sports? I was just going to bring that up. I was going to say, do you think a captain, a lead member of the group, is an effective thing to have, or do you think everyone should be on the same level? No, captains. You need captains, especially in cricket. Yeah, there's some big decisions to be made. Definitely bowling, batting order, things like that. 
Does the coach have well, much it's small, to say? Small, it's, not, it's not really. Yeah, batting order, I suppose, is a big thing. Um, coaches always give their input, but it's captain's job at the end of the day, and he's got he holds the responsibility on his shoulders at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I think it's different to football, like the Premier League is the coach, isn't it? The manager. Yeah, that I think takes everything. Yeah, I think the manager has a has a keen. You know, I don't think players have much of a say in the oh. Premier League about the team. Anyways, before it becomes Monday, let's talk about your topic. <laughs> so my topic uh, this week, um, I saw something quite interesting on Instagram from a pro cyclist. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, it's on cycling again, but uh, oh. Owen, Owen Dool, <laughs> um, a Welsh, Welsh team sky rider, um, brought up through the British cycling track kind of organisation and mm-hmm. uh, road track, uh, moved to Team Wiggins, Bradley Wiggins' uh, team, and then uh, at the moment he's at Team Sky. Um, and I saw something quite interesting on his Instagram a couple of evening, evenings ago, uh, and he was being t- drug tested by the World Anti-Doping Agency, and he was being drug tested at, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, so I'm saying this without full confidence, but it was around 10 o'clock at night, and this kind of brought on an idea to me of what kind of impacts can that have on a performer? So obviously we're just looking at one case study here, but mm. how many athletes have been in the situation where they need to be drug tested, it's part of their job as being a professional rider and being under the UCI to be tested. So what kind of impact does that have on a rider? I mean, for for instance, what if he goes to bed at nine o'clock every evening? Mm. I know this is quite looking at very small aspects, but... It's the 1% as we discussed. This it is the 1% that can. And I know we're going into winter for Iron Duel, but, but, you know, these kind of... I, I was looking at it from a psychological perspective and how this can almost... I feel like it's a scare ta- tactic that WADA are using just to let riders and uh, performers know that they're there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think that's a great thing to be doing, to be honest. I think... You might be, like, reducing the... the, You know, the the results that come out of people by trying to scare them because they're so worried about it. Yeah, I mean, I just think think scare tactics within something like the World Anti-Doping Agency is not where they want to be. It needs to be seen as a as a positive thing um, that, you know, should be advertised that this is happening, mm. you know, for sport in general. I mean, the the benefits of clean sport are endless, aren't they? I mean, do you want to watch something it's, if it's a fraud? No. I mean, would you watch cricket if you knew that they were, lo- if a team were losing on purpose? Yeah. If a team oh. were doing something completely against the rules to win? Mm. I mean, would you want to watch that? No. Um, and it's really sad because that was like that that one with uh, Steve Smith and David Warner where they you know brought out sand well Cameron Brancroft did it but they were the ones that initiated it that was the biggest story in cricket for a long time and it still has been the biggest story story in cricket for you know nearly a year now so it's uh, sad that that's the biggest mm. news that's come out but I suppose it is big news um, people don't want to be watching something that's hollow mm. you know? yeah definitely I mean from my I'd say basic understanding of um, kind of the testing protocols of the World Anti-Doping Agency mm. uh, professionals have to give um, a list of places that they're going to be um, at different times of the year 
So if they're going away on holiday, for instance, they have to let, um, I'm not sure if it's uh, the World Anti-Doping Agency or if it's their um, national or world governing body that they have to make aware mm. of this. Um, I remember a couple of years ago with Mo Farah, there was an issue that he was in America and he should have been in London. Oh, really? Or he said he was being in London and he was in America. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and missing a drugs test can be just as bad as failing a drug test. Yeah. Because um, obviously you can look into things as, was he purposely trying not to be in the country when he said he was going to be? Things mm. like that. But anyway, clean at the moment. <laughs> Mo Farah, yeah. found to be clean, everything like that. Um, so... Maybe it's an issue with the testing protocols that haven't been assessed, haven't been analysed in, in enough depth, or maybe it's just old traditional testing protocols that need to be updated. Well, yeah, um, you mentioned earlier the psychological effects that uh, anti-doping tests have on athletes, and from my perspective, someone that's not been tested before, I know that if I was to be told that I was going to be tested throughout a year or something, that would be on my mind all the time. Mm-hmm. What am I eating? When am I eating it? What is in this food? Can I trust the source of this food? Mm-hmm. And it's... As a professional athlete, there's so much on your head already. You know, you, you, you can't post something slightly offensive on Instagram. You're shut down. You can't go out in public wearing something stupid. You're shut down. You have to be politically correct. You know, there's so much to worry about. And that's just outside of your sport, mm. you know. Then and that's that's the social norms. I mean, that's that's what we're talking about. It's it's socially not not okay for a for example a team skyrider to voice their political opinions. No, exactly. I I'd say because it, it's not the sky the it's not the person that's uh, voicing their opinions. They are withholding the name of Team Sky, so it's Team Sky that's voicing their opinion. Yeah. Not just the person. Yeah, that's a good point. And that is. Um, that's how the world is nowadays mm. and yeah if you're especially a high a high a top end performer you are almost a celebrity yeah definitely um so yeah with the knowledge of uh, being tested knowing that you're going to be tested at some stage must just play with your mind so much mm. and i would hate it if i'm honest i would absolutely hate it um because you know you could just eat something that someone's put something in to actually get you on purpose yeah definitely and then that's you gone yeah and you can't play naive because what's it called you're responsible for whatever goes in your body Mm. my body my me or something i can't remember what it's called um yeah and i think i think that's why so many uh pro teams invest so much money in making sure their riders are supplied with appropriate food from appropriate sources um to reduce the chance of any kind of contaminants being being put into their food or anything like that. Mm. I know there's a a website. Um, it the name of it, it's lost my lost the name of it. But um, there's a website that's updated every year where you can see every single drug which is banned by the World Anti Doping Agency. Oh yeah. And you can also uh, type in product names. Um, so any kind of supplements that you're taking, yeah. you can type in product names and it will come up whether it's banned. If there's any con- uh, ingredients in the products that are banned in and out of competition or completely banned Mm. um so obviously they're kind of been implemented to try and help the athletes um not get caught up by things like contaminants in in things they they might have genuinely thought were clean yeah and turns out that there's a a banned substance in Mm. i mean a couple of welsh athletes i think 10 years ago or something welsh athlete 
athletic athletes yeah um uh claimed that they made a genuine mistake and they were taking a product which they believed was clean oh, yeah. and actually it was it was dirty oh really um so things like that um but i think i think one thing that we need to touch on is is the random testing protocols which are carried out by the world anti-doping agency yeah how think, can they be done differently are you yeah, yeah and and randomizing tests i think is a complete i think it's definitely something that's a good thing but yeah the fact that one athlete might never be tested in their career mm. because it's randomized i know if you um win a stage at the tour de france for, for example mm. you get straight to get sent straight to anti-doping and they they do tests on you, yeah. so that's quite good. That I think I think a lot of pro racers are doing that now. That you know they go straight to anti doping before they go to the podium, things like mm. that. But I think the random randomized testing is complete a complete joke. I think I think there needs to be set times when people are tested on top of randomized tests for athletes mm. because I think that's how you catch out the cheats because someone might not and might never be. Uh, competitive and say win a stage of the Tour de France for example in cycling mm. but they might live a whole career on on a lie the fact that they've been doping or whatever um, mm. so I, I in my opinion that that needs to be that needs to be looked at but obviously it's it's not just as simple as let's change it the infrastructure and everything that goes behind it in doing that is yeah. extensive you know it's not just a simple change is it obviously with drug doping the idea behind it is that the people that are drug doping are one step ahead of the people that test. Yeah. And every th- every time a new uh, advancement in the knowledge of testing is found, yeah, the people that do it are already another step ahead. Yeah, there's already another drug that is undetectable, for example. Yeah. Like uh, EPO back in the seventies, uh, I think it was seventies, mm. eighties. EPO. There wasn't a drug test for EPO, mm. so people never knew. How, how to test for it exactly yeah. and, and people never knew how much other people were taking mm. even though it was a banned drug they didn't have a test to test whether it was in someone's system or not and I remember mm. seeing a documentary saying when the test came in people were terrified that they'd get caught with it that they'd wait until they were tested and then take a big lump of EPO mm. and then that would mean that they were safe for the next couple of months mm. and it would slowly work its way out of your system mm. so like you say the advances in drug testing yeah. yeah it's almost like the out of sight out of mind you know if you can't if you don't physically know about it how can you test for it yeah definitely you know? definitely and i i think that i think that sums up my my topic bro mm. so you're suggesting to wada the world anti-doping association to yeah. up their game well i think they're doing a tremendous job with everything you know think about how many different sports they have to consider for one yeah. um and obviously a couple of years ago there was some discrepancies in the world anti-doping agency and with the russian yeah everything that happened in russia things like that so i think managing such uh, equipment and so many staff is obviously a very difficult job but you know they do catch people so mm. you know it's a bonus isn't it they do um and it's sad that something like that has to be in place you know yeah definitely Sad that you can't trust athletes anymore. Mm. Um, but well, I th- I think there will always be cheats in sport, not just not just cheating the game. I think mm. there will there'll always be some kind of aspect of trying to cheat to gain a physical or psychological 
uh, benefit. Yeah. Yeah, advantage or, over or, your opponents. Or benefit you know, outside of the sport. Like you say, um, the match fixing that goes on in cricket, people yeah. performing badly on purpose. Yeah, happened in badminton at the uh, Olympics, uh, I think two Olympic cycles ago, 2000, yeah, really. 2008, 2012. There were some, uh, I believe it was Japanese athletes that were um, purposely serving into the net. Oh, wow. Um, purposely serving into the net to lose mm. uh, so that other people would go through. Um, so yeah anyway that that rounds up my my topic and uh, if I'm not wrong I think that rounds up the podcast Brad yeah we've run out of time unfortunately we have run out of time for this week Um, alright thank you very much for listening thank Um, you I hope you thank you Andy for your thoughts thank you Brad Um, and I uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at RamblerLon17 using the hashtag TheRambler don't be scared to get in touch during the week's interims between our podcasts suggest topics that you'd like to hear from us um, and you never know if you ask nicely you might be able to sit next to us oh perfect brilliant well thank you very much for listening and no. we'll see you next week yep cheers what are you thinking next Wednesday same again no what day did we do it Thursday Thursday I think yeah right I will have been leaving because I'm going to go and Oh, okay. Have have a good one. Yeah, cheers, mate. Love you, lads. Cheers, bud.